So now it's, it's my pleasure um, to introduce Sophie Tomlinson. I'm delighted to introduce Sophie. Sophie's the Senior Lecturer in English and Drama at the University of Auckland. Um, Sophie's going to give us some insights into the summer Shakespeare productions in the 1960s and will focus on some unique features of our folio. As well as being a renowned academic specialising in Shakespeare and early modern drama, restoration literature and 17th century texts, we should note that Sophie's aunt, Dorothy Lyon, served here as the first head of literature, arts and music, 1938 to 1979. And during this time, Dorothy worked in both buildings, here and over the road, and I'm sure um, Dorothy would have had um, handled the first folio to some extent. Um, but I know Sophie has, because I've seen her in the reading room. So wonderful to have you here today, Sophie. Kia ora koutou. I really enjoyed delving into the ephemera, ephemera collection um, in preparing this talk. And I'd like to thank Annette Hay and also Jane Wilde for facilitating my access to these materials. And thanks also to um, Joe Burke up the road at the university um, for pointing me in some good directions. One of the exciting adventures I recall from my girlhood was being seen by my parents onto the overnight train from Wellington to Auckland and arriving the next morning at Auckland's Red Brick Railway Station. I'd be met by my aunt Dorothy and we'd catch a cab to the flat at 41 Grays Ave where Doff lived with my grandmother. Highlights of my holidays in Auckland included visits to the pancake parlor in a Queen Street arcade, swimming at the Parnell Baths, and visiting the City Library, where, as Jane has said, Doff worked. As a student at Victoria University, I remember visiting Auckland and seeing a university summer Shakespeare production of Twelfth Night, which made a lasting impact on me. The scene where Malvolio is bound in a dark room and visited by Feste as Sir Topaz the curate was staged in the manner of a man held hostage and in genuine fear for his life. In the midst of the Lebanon hostage crisis, this staging had an immediacy and sense of menace that really hit home. It brought Shakespeare nastily into the present as a lecturer in the English department since 1991, I've enjoyed many more outdoor Shakespeare's. But it's only recently, partly thanks to my dear departed colleague, colleague Tom Bishop, that I've become aware of just how far back the tradition um, of, of, of a summer production went. The tradition spans 55 years from 1963 through to 2018. And over that period that um, the Summer Shakespeare was active, the thing that really stands out is how the event functioned as an incubator of creative talent uh, in the city. And it's that factor, what um, academic and actor Robert Lake called its talent breeding fertility that I want to highlight today. So the inaugural um, production, was uh, Hamlet, Prince of Denmark. And that was presented by the combined forces of the Auckland University College Drama Society and Dra Grafton Theatre, which was up one of the city's several amateur dramatic societies. 
this period, there was one University of New Zealand um, as an umbrella and four colleges. So financial support was provided by the Arts Advisory Council, which had recently been formed in 1960, the forerunner of Creative New Zealand. So the early 60s was an era when the New Zealand Herald featured a section called Woman's World. And I think it was jolly sporting of Patricia Rosier to pose for the Herald photographer as a harassed wardrobe mistress. Uh, the photo accompanies a feature called Frenzied Rush to Build a Wardrobe. Um, I remember my mother talking about buying pieces of fabric and gaily cutting into them without so much as a butterick pattern in sight. And I think that Patricia Rosier and her friend who taught English at Otahuhu College um, were, 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 were sewers of that ilk. As an early, um, as an early Sh summer Shakespeare production, Hamlet reflected the grand romantic British tradition of theatre. And one element of that was the sheer amount of, of time and also money invested in approximating Elizabethan costume. The article reported that the wardrobe for Hamlet is one of richness with brocades and satins in abundance. The early 60s, of course, was also an era of handwritten letters, such as this note of congratulation from poet and English academic Kendrick Smitherman to the show's producer and director, Professor Sidney Musgrove, who was affectionately known as Muzz by his colleagues. Smitherman playfully writes that the audience was well or amply or richly endowed with possible or actual or capable critics or commentators or narcs, adding cancel out to taste. <laughs> Harry Osman's Dictionary of New Zealand English um, tells me that a narc is a vexatious person. Now, the prime mover in Shakespeare at the University of Auckland and director and producer of the opening production was Professor Sidney Musgrove. Musgrove was Oxford educated and a scholar of Shakespeare and Johnson. He was also a fine radio actor himself. He led the English department from 1947 through to his retirement in 1980. This photo in, published in Mianjin in 1946 captures Muzz in his early 30s. As Mac Jack Jackson has written, he cuts a dashing figure with a trim moustache, loosely hanging scarf, swept back hair, and a mischievous grin, looking like biggles on leave from flying his spitfire. The publicity shot shows Eric Wolf holding the skull of Yorick, in an attitude very reminiscent of Olivier's Hamlet in the 1948 film. Uh, Wolf and Lisa Harrow, who acted the third player, are one of many, um, two of many participants who went on to successful professional acting careers in England. So um, here's the striking broadsheet programme which shows a looming regicidal sword, which at once dwarfs and terrifies a shrinking prince. On the reverse side, um, what 
struck me immediately was the sheer scale and elaborateness of this production. The list of production personnel includes five lighting assistants, two assistant stage managers, five people who worked on tapestries, and others who worked on hand properties, heavy properties, swords and armor. Future broadcaster and household name Max Cryer is credited with crowns. <laughs> and among those who acted court lords is Russell Finnamore, um, who was a long-term administrator at the university's School of Music and is now the person behind Recherche Recordings. We will get you any classical recording you want. Now, as many of the productions have been, Hamlet was played against the Gothic facade of what was then the student, student, student Union building. It's now the Graduate Centre. And you can see that that formed a very apt backdrop uh, and, and would have evoked the ramparts of Elsinore Castle. There was also a small thrust stage to accommodate thrones or the royal bed as required. That court scene suggests uh, what the Herald reviewer picked out as Musgrove's brilliant use of lighting to heighten the dramatic effect. When you're looking at the early programs, it really is um, startling to see the extent to which uh, these productions were a kind of who's who of future academia, performing arts and culture in Aotearoa, New Zealand. So the 1969 production of Richard II um, included history lecturer Nicholas Tarling as John of Gaunt, Margaret Edgecombe, who was later a tutor in the English department as the Duchess of Gloucester. The cast also included Richard Preble, Michael Neal, Robert Lake, Adrian Kiernander, Murray Edmund, Cheryl Sutheran, and Michael Noonan, who also directed. Here's a program from 1977 for um, The Merchant of Venice, and this was directed by Dick Johnston. He's described by one reviewer as well known for his ability to raise young people's performance to a high level. And the photograph shows um, a young Peter Webb as Lorenzo. Um, Webb, of course, went on to found um, one of Auckland's largest art auction houses. The cast also included John Rossa as Solerio, who later founded um, the choir Viva Voce. And there was a group of five musicians called Captain Didgery Piper's Consort, uh, which included Douglas Muse, a well-known church organist, and Peter Scholes, who founded and conducts the Auckland Chamber Orchestra. So let's skip on to the end of the 1970s um, to a production of Hamlet in 1979 directed by Adrian Kiernander. And by this stage, um, the Auckland University Dramatic Society had, had morphed into the University Theatre Workshop. So really a, a, a stunning program, which Kiernander also de designed, um, showing a Hamlet behind bars, evoking his line to Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, Denmark's a prison. There's also a sense of everything unraveling 
I think, um, in, in the lettering, which um, has its roots in the bars and is also sprouting um, in a vegetative way at the top, making me think of, of Hamlet's lines, Fiant, fi, fi, tis an unweeded garden that grows to seed, things rank and gross possess it merely. This Hamlet included Peter Webb as Horatio, Nicholas Tarling in the somewhat predictably, um, predictable role of Polonius, university librarian and raconteur Ken Porter as the first player who acts Gonzago, and William Brandt, who with considerable dexterity managed to play Voltamond, Ronaldo, the fourth player, a sailor, and the second gravedigger all in one evening. Herald theatre critic Ian MacDonald praised Kiernander's intelligent and compelling direction, which gave the play a, quote, multi-level appeal, the superficial attraction of a good old revenge thriller and the deeper layers of a tense psychological drama. Adrian Kiernander um, actually died in 2020. Um, after completing an honours degree at Auckland, he spent three years teaching in the newly established drama programme at Victoria University, where he founded the Wellington Summer Shakespeare. In an interview conducted by the University of New England shortly before his death, Kiernander spoke of, quote, a very active on-campus drama society where I gained a great deal of experience in theatre practice both on stage and backstage. He went on, I wanted to learn and practice all the skills that made a theatre production, including set and costume design and construction, lighting and sound, and also publicity and marketing, financial planning and management, so that as a member of a team, I could understand the responsibilities and constraints associated with every part of the project. That account of working on a student production tallies with Robert Lake's feeling that the three or four months involved in participating in an outdoor Shakespeare under a good director is worth as much as an entire year in a high-powered drama school. The production that I, I want to end with is the 1981 Tempest directed by Simon Phillips. The Tempest and A Midsummer Night's Dream were the most frequently produced uh, plays over the 55 years of the Summer Shakespeare. Each of them was, was produced five times. It's notable that this production uh, ran for three weeks, which is a very decent season for a student production. Phillips had taken the director's course at Fakari, then called the National Drama School, and was about to embark on a directing career at the Mercury Theatre. Subsequently, he has gone on to a highly successful career as a director of theatre and opera in Australia. His most recent work here was a production of North by Northwest, an adaptation of Hitchcock's film, for the Auckland Theatre Company in 2022. According to Lake, Phillips conceived The Tempest as a highly spiritual play and placed great emphasis on Renaissance concepts of hierarchy and harmony in the cosmic order. And apparently there was a, um, a vast set um, shaped like a, a three-level conch shell. 
um, but you can see something of that hieratic quality um, in the splendid purple and green circular program whose bearded Prospero is dressed in a flowing caftan, very 1980s. <clears throat> Phillips looked for and got a pecking order in physical height for the cast, starting with a very tall Prospero and Miranda. Robert Lake, who played Prospero, was six foot four. He also found Pacific Islanders to play his Islanders, Patu Patu Ripley as Ariel and Stephen Stalin as Caliban. The program shows a delightful cameo of Trincula, a drunken cook. Uh, that role was played by Vivian Bell. Well-known Auckland musician Penny Dodd composed what Lake calls an enchanting musical score, which included an entire cantata for Prospero's Magic Mask and Epithalamium for Ferdinand and Miranda in Act Four. And that was sung by the university singers led by John Rosser. There were heavy rains, but the show went on. So on that note of spirited resilience, um, I'll end. Sophie's very cleverly um, made great use of our ephemera collection, and that's also on our Kura platform. So we're really pleased that those really vulnerable, you know, often thrown away programs, you, they're just such rich resources mm -hmm. for understanding who was there Max Cryer made the crowns. I mean, that's yeah. just there's so much in, in to find out in there. So thank you, thank you very much, Sophie. And I'll